0: Welcome back to the Some Sort of Miracle podcast. I'm Ed and today I'm joined by Lauren. Hello. Nick. Hiya. Jacob. Hi. And Paul. Hi. Today we're tackling the topic of politics. We'll be bringing our questions around all things government, political parties and policies and what it means to be a Christian amidst it all. So how are we feeling about this topic today guys?
1: Yeah I'm feeling quite good about it. I think it's quite an interesting one that um again it's something that we've picked that we don't really talk about in church very much i don't think um so i think it'd be good to hear what people's views are um wider than this as well so anyone who's listening please comment and um just share share your thoughts on what we've talked about and anything that we haven't talked about as well
0: yeah it's one of the the two um polite things that you you never talk about is religion and politics and we've done a lot of religion so I, this feels like a good one to tick off
2: absolutely
3: I, I'm not going to lie. I'm feeling a little bit out of my depth, but we'll uh, we'll run with it and we'll see. And I'm sure I'm going to learn lots from all you educated beings.
2: I'm not sure about that.
0: <laughs> we shall find out. So, who has our first question for today?
1: Uh, yeah, I do. Uh, my question is: Should we vote based on religious views? So, to give a little bit of context to that, I'm thinking, more, um some people would vote based on maybe what suits them the best and i think that's quite a common voting strategy um but should we vote based on what the bible says or what our own morals are aside from what's best for us personally
2: difficult isn't it because um i think we're kind of presupposed to the idea of you know it's my vote so it should really it should benefit me um and this is the only control i've got over government policy on me um, so I think that's naturally the position that a lot of people take is, um, I vote for my own best interests. Um, but for me, is a, a wider view of that would be what's better for um, for us as a community, as a society, as a country. Um, where do I think the best leadership is? The best uh, ideas, morals. Um, who do I trust? Um, which you know, which uh, politicians do I find myself trusting and who don't I trust and that all influences the way um I've uh, I'm not sure about you guys Mm
0: -hmm. yeah it's it's broader than it's it's a broader question than just oh which party is closest to Jesus because there's so many different factors in there as well and you brought up about how how much you trust the people um was you know so many politicians seem like they're talking a really good game but how many are actually living up to what they're saying Um, and yeah it's it is a minefield but I do think that our faith should be it should affect everything about our lives it should affect how we think about everything whether that's morality politics whatever so yeah I guess I would say uh, faith should influence how we vote
1: yeah I think that's quite an interesting point Uh, I think sometimes with because we don't talk about politics much alongside religion like you said it's the two polite things you don't talk about so to combine both is something that people rarely do i would say um so i think sometimes we compartmentalize politics and religion and we don't think about how the two might cross over
0: yeah and you can also see religion being used um to bully people into voting for a particular person or party um where they say oh if you're this religion you have to vote this way and i don't think that's helpful either because in the end, I do believe that all the parties, especially in the UK, want the best for this country. They just have different ideas about. Um, you have some interesting looks there. I think on on the whole, I don't think people get into politics just to serve themselves. I do think there are quite a few good people in politics who, at least at the start, go in with good intentions of how to to look out for their communities. Um, so yeah, I, I guess. It's, it's a nuanced conversation and shouldn't be used as a way of just telling religious people to vote in a certain way as well.
2: I think I'm a little bit more cynical than you, had on on that. I think there are uh, a lot of good people in politics and a lot of people who do have the best interests of the people at, at heart. But uh, I'd also say that there's quite a few career politicians who want to find their way to the top and don't really care how they get there and, and they... F- Act free and loose with policy because um, because that's going to be the way that they can get to the top. I mean, it, there's some very obvious examples of that which we might come across a little bit later on. But it was interesting you said about the um, uh, about uh, Christian I- I ideals and things. Some of the time you see some politicians. It happens quite a lot in America as opposed to over here. That uh, Donald Trump's perfect example. He says his favorite book's the Bible, and then when quizzed on that, you know, what's your favorite passage? Oh well it's a it's a personal thing and um you know I don't I don't really want to get into that. Um and he's recently been uh, slammed a lot. I mean Hillary Clinton I just just before we came to record this, uh I got a notification through on Sky saying um Hillary Clinton slammed him for um using Christianity or hijacking Christianity as a I've got a little quote that I wrote down, um saying that um he's, he tear gassed his own people for a photo opportunity with a book that he's never read. Uh, He's tried to hijack Christianity and the Bible in ways that are deeply hypocritical. Um, So he's come under a little bit of fire for that. Um, But I I think it can be, uh, religion can be used to almost separate the electorate as well, say, well, they're they're a Christian, so maybe I should vote for them. Um, But I think there's probably a little bit more discernment that needs to go into that, um, just to, to figure out what or where our vote should lie, really interesting to hear what you say, Jacob, because I know you've you've said when we we're chatting about this, you voted just a one seventy. Like it's all right for me, old, old timer, but um, you just had one opportunity to vote. So how did you kind of um, approach that?
4: Well, it was because I I vote. So what I was going to ask Scott was, in do we vote differently locally when we do for the national elections? So for for my local constituency, which is. I think it's called Morley and Outwards. We usually for the like local council, we'd usually vote what's in the best interest of the local community, which is Morley. So that's there's, there's a specific party for all that. Whereas when I, when we went for the national election, it was a case of obviously you get passed down from your family their political views, and that's that's inherently what you grow up with, and that's what you see. But there's there's a lot of like research that you should really do as well. So when I as, as I'm a student, the main policies that I looked for were the policies that would benefit me at, like as a student or students as a whole as as a younger person growing up in the political climate isn't at the minute so it's it's one of those difficult things where obviously I want to act as selfishly as, as for the community as possible but at, at the minute I'm kind of in the mindset of as like I'm just a student and I kind of don't really know what I'm going in life yet and I don't really know what I'm doing so I, I want to try and when, when voting for the party I want to make sure the party kind of I'm saying this like it was definitely going to happen, but as if the party would have the right intentions in mind for me, if that makes sense. What What's hard for me as well is that I've got no sort of, the only sort of first-hand experience of politics in action I've got is like the last, I don't know, probably say the last 10 years where I've been conscious of what politics is. So from 2008, where there was that massive, uh, where the market crashed and all that, and then there was all the recession. And then from from that, my experience of politics is what we've like done in that short period of com- time compared to, say, Unic, who's had longer experience to see what political parties do and the different people live that. So it's it's one of those things where I feel like, I, well, I'm very open to change my political views just because I don't really know much of what I'm talking about. I just know what I've read. But then again, that comes into the whole sort of fake news thing where there is a lot of stories that turn political and I don't really need to be all not the correct information and that sort of thing so it gets harder
2: it's interesting seeing the the um the use of the media as well in, in politics and i think you're dead right jacob there's a lot of um spin dependent on which publications you read and uh, sometimes a little bit of an agenda behind that so being able to filter through that it, it absolutely is a minefield when you're looking at um uh particularly the general election recently you know there's all sorts of things being promised, um previous um that have turned out not to be true, things that were being promised that have also turned out not to be true, things that have been promised that did 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 work out. Um and then you've got the various media outlets saying, Well, this is terrible, and then the same media outlets saying this is a really good thing about the same thing. Um so it's really hard to discern what what the truth is really. Um and and that truth I guess depends on uh, the lens at which you view it. Um and I think that answers for for me, Paul, that was that would be my answer to your question um about the lens at which I view politics. I, I tried my best to to take a wider view rather than a micro view. I try to look see what's better for us rather than for me. Um which is difficult at times actually I think it's it's almost impossible to remove yourself completely from situation and there's i don't think there's a political party that properly uh represents all of my views um which is another thing i I think you just have to get the closest match um again which is another thing um trying to balance up what what the most important issues to you um and then trying to figure out where where i where the other parties sit on that and where i can possibly vote
1: how much would you say religion sort of plays in that way up because i think i think you're right it is a very personal decision and a lot of it sort of weighs in on your morals and your position in culture in in this country um so how much would you say religion sort of plays a, an impact in that
2: i think looking at um looking at what jesus said and looking at the the gospel gives us a pretty f- solid moral compass to work from um and jesus was an advocate for the marginalized for the poor um and that's that's where i find my uh allegiance really is, is you know what what's jesus said about certain issues and is does that translate into modern day politics um are we looking for things like equality and um and fairness across all of our systems, um whether that's you know uh, social politics or economics or um I know the last time we were talking a little bit about systemic um sin and things like that, and you know how does that fit into how we got. so I think i I, I find it impossible to separate the two really um between my faith and how I view politics
0: yeah, I think often we we treat the Um, the call of Christianity, for it to be a factor in our decision-making process. But I don't think it, in a way, it should just be a factor. It should be the lens through which we view all the other factors. So if I choose to follow Jesus, that means that I need to love everyone, even my enemies. I need to love those who are different to me. I need to hunger for justice and equality. And that should be the lens through which we view every policy, everything that we look at. Um, so I think if you're really trying to live life as a Christian as um, someone following Jesus it's got to affect everything
1: yeah I think that's a really good point Ed Um, you just touched on um, how we can sort of uh, have these conversations and disagree I think Lauren you've got a question that sort of relates to that
3: yeah so I was kind of wondering um because naturally all the conversations that i tend to have around politics i feel a little bit overwhelmed because it can get quite confrontational um and a lot of people with different different opinions um and that kind of thing and i i'm just grappling with the concept that can we be loving and still disagree what What do we think about that i think
2: he's learning how to disagree isn't it and um it can be such a polarising debate. I mean, if you look at just recent politics, and Jacob, you said you've only had exposure to politics in the last 10 years or so. A lot of that's been dominated by the Brexit debate. Um, and you can just see how massively polarising that is. Um, and I think the fact that we've got two major parties as well seems to polarise people into you're either this or you're that. Um, there's been a little bit of a, a mix-up between that, particularly in the last general election, um, with different things influencing how people have voted but it, it, i find it difficult um to disagree well i think i think sometimes um i can easily write people off just because of their their opinions um if, if we're being honest um and i'm something i'm trying to try to be better at um is trying to learn a little bit more of, of people's perspective and and try and engage um constructively i think that's probably the important way is being constructive rather than just Trying to win and might win an argument. He's, he's trying to understand what someone else is saying and and uh, perhaps showing a different point of view or a different lenses. You were saying, Ed, as to how I view things.
4: Yeah, it's about being accepting of it, like regardless if you agree with it or not. Like if you can just accept that. You, I think you have to accept that you're not going to agree with every single person in the world. That is a given fact. We've all got different minds and we all think differently. We kind agree on we can agree on some stuff, but you just got to accept that we aren't going to see eye to eye. Not everyone's going to see eye to eye politically, so it's the case of how can we still work with those people, even though we do disagree on things. It's just a case of going at it with grace and accepting what they think, because there's bigger things to mind. I feel anyway. Hmm.
0: There's a guy called Andy Flanagan who um, I think he runs Christians in Politics. And he speaks a lot on um, Christians in politics, surprisingly. And uh, <laughs> it, one of yeah, one of the um, one of the talks he did really stuck with me. And he spoke about how Jesus says, "I am the way, the truth, and the life," and that Jesus, like the Bible, talks about finding truth in the person of Jesus. And then we use this phrase a lot: speaking truth to power. And that, like, is a responsibility of Christians is to speak truth to power. But when you really nail down in what is truth, it's found in the person of Jesus. And then he says this: it's, it's very possible to speak objectively correct facts, but for it not to be truth. So if you're just arguing stuff that is just objectively correct facts, but uh, facts, but you're not doing it in love and you're not doing it through the character of Jesus you're not speaking truth to power in the christian sense in the christian tradition that we see in the bible you're just having an argument but actually when when you're speaking truth it needs to be found in both love grace and needs to be factually correct as well and i, I find that helpful as as a as a concept
1: yeah i think that's a really good tool and i think it's it's quite easy to get swept away by everything else that comes with politics because a lot of people feel strongly about it and if you have a view you've obviously come to that through a logical or through in your eyes a logical decision which might be completely different to someone who's very similar to you Um, and I think it's really easy to get swept away into a a Facebook argument especially Um, and I think social media plays a probably a negative role in politics and definitely in putting people off having these debates which are actually really important.
2: Facebook's become like the theatre of political debate, hasn't it? It, it? it massively, when I'm looking, particularly around the general election, it, I see all sorts. And, and since then, as well, there's been quite a lot of political posts from friends from opposing sides of the spectrum, really. Um, but how should we do, should we engage in those debates on Facebook? I, uh, that, I guess that's a little bit of a different question, but it's kind of an extension of what you're asking, Lauren. Is as, you know how can we disagree? Well, it, it's hard. You, lo- you lose a little bit, a little bit of um, human touch through Facebook, but it becomes words on a page rather than a. Uh, you miss the nuances of you know body language and inflection and all those kind of things. But should that be something that should we be challenging and calling out um, ideas that we perhaps disagree with? on facebook and twitter and wherever else um or should we just you know leave leave people to it
1: uh, yeah i think um it's a really difficult like you say it's a really difficult way of communicating um because of the extra inflections that you can't give um and because we're used to communicating with things like sarcasm and extra little things and facial expressions and stuff you can't get quite get your emotions across um but also, I think because that's where a lot of the debate is and where a lot of people take in all of the news, it's really difficult to not do, and I see that quite a lot, and there's so many posts that I see that I really want to you know just say what what are you talking about? This is ridiculous um, but it's and it's really hard not to do that, but I think we have to a- apply the speaking truth to power and somehow manage to lovingly disagree via message and be really careful about what we put. But with, but in the same breath, we can't just ignore things that we see, like injustices in the world. And I think Facebook goes along with that. I think there are a lot of injustices in the world that are expressed via social media.
4: I think there's a lot of misconception as well and uh, not knowing the perception as well. So if you look back at the last general election, all of Twitter was pretty much saying that they voted Labour. Well, all of Twitter that I saw was very Labour-heavy. It was very... Labour's going to win. We all vote Labour, and then we got to the election, and the Conservatives won by a, a lot. So it just shows that, like, we can have these debates on social media and see what, and we can think we're having a conversation or a debate with someone that's proactive. But if people are, aren't actually engaging with that properly, and it's just a face they're going to put on, then when they actually do go vote and they do something different, it's not very productive, I don't think. And it's it's important to remember as well, it is it is just a post on social, like for me anyway, it's just a post on social media. Like obviously I want it to be truthful and I want it to be honest and integral from what I'm saying, but it's not as important as if I was going to go do a Ted talk in front of a thousand people or speak at my local church about my political views or something like that. Not that I probably would ever do that, but that, you know what I mean?
0: Yeah. And we create echo chambers on Facebook and Twitter, don't we? Like you, so often people uh well i certainly do i like people that i like reading from uh, on twitter so on twitter i follow a lot of people that i enjoy reading and i don't follow as many people that i would disagree with perhaps and may and that can be a danger because yeah we do. It, like I, I i totally remember that with the general election recently where i was seeing everyone who thought a lot like me and then when the results were announced i realized actually the re- majority of the british electorate don't think like me, and that that was there in in numbers, which is very difficult to come to term come to terms with when my social media activity is telling me a completely different story
2: yeah I, I, this very recent example of this I, I was looking on um, just scrolling through my facebook the other day and I noticed someone who'd um, used to go to school with um a long long time ago um it posted something about um one of the recent uh, events that um, a young girl had been tragically killed. Um, And and it was, it was um, just factually wrong. There was, there was lots and lots of errors in it. It was kind of uh, blaming like a Somalian immigrants for, for this murder and and all the rest of it. So I just, I've done an if I should, if I should call it out. And I was like, you know, I've got to say something. So I just put, just to let you know, these are the facts. Um, and I did, to be fair, I did add a sort of a, a tongue-in-cheek hope that helps at the end. Um, but the, it then deleted the post, which I thought actually at least I've done my bit in not spreading um, at least a small area of hate uh, on Facebook, although it continues to to happen from, from the same person. But I, I'm similar to you, Ed, and, and you, Jacob, in that I was reading a lot of the same things um, on on facebook and on twitter um and then uh, since then i've seen quite a few opposing views and and i get sometimes get a bit riled up by it but i i try to leave those people on my facebook rather than deleting them which would be the obvious thing just because i want some perspective and balance on what other people are thinking and if it means calling people out every now and then then um then i'm willing to do that but it, it really helped me just to see what are other people thinking, other than the people who just think like me?
4: Yeah, what what's really useful now is that some of the social media platforms like Facebook and Twitter, they're um, they're implementing a system where if someone shares a blog article and it's got fake content in it, they they can say someone can report it, and then it'll say on the on the blog before you click it, someone has reported this to have fake new fake news articles in it or something like that. Or they're they're implementing implementing something which says uh, if the person actually read the blog that they've shared so that you'll find it sometimes that people read the headline of the blog, which is a massive clickbait and they've actually read what the article says. And then they've shared it on a social media to get that sort of, well, just to voice their opinion on it without actually reading it. So it's there there are systems in place that are going to help us be able to have these proactive conversations with people and achieve a more accepting outcome rather than just having at it with each other on social media. So, I think it's one of those things that with time it will get better if, if we think in the grand scheme of things social media is still quite a new thing it's it's only like 10-15 years old and like we're just getting used to the different sort of mannerisms we use online and how we speak online differently as well so I think with time it will get a lot better trying to have political debates like this.
0: Yeah and it's, it's so difficult as well now that social media is in such an unregulated space that they they don't have any responsibility or many responsibilities to do those sort of things. And they largely make their all their own decisions. Um, Whereas, you know, if, well, I was about to say if a newspaper printed something that's completely wrong, but you know, that happens all the time as well. So it's, it's difficult thinking about how are we going to like develop regulations and develop things that hold social media platforms to account as well in how they influence elections? Because that's been a, a, popular topic recently in that um, in both the US and the UK and other countries, there's been clear correlation between how social media has impacted the votes and impacted um, democratic elections.
2: Do we do we fact check things um, when we see them? Uh, this is um, perhaps a, of a loaded question, but I know when I see something that I'm opposed to, I will often fact check it, whereas if I see something that I'm not particularly opposed to it. Generally I won't do the same level of I not apply the same level of scrutiny. Is that is that just me? Does everybody else in a similar kind of boat and, and should we? Should we check things out for, for the truth?
1: Yeah, I I think I'm probably the same as you, Nick. Um if I see something that I'm opposed to and I don't like the sound of it, I'm more likely to go and say, Well, is this actually true? Um whereas if I see something that I already agree with, I don't feel the same necessity sometimes to go and say, Well, actually just because it's supporting what i think i should probably check this in the first place
2: i guess that's the same from both sides isn't it like the people who have views opposing what the ones that we do will will apply exactly the same lens so i suppose that's sometimes how that's how fake news perpetuates itself isn't it is through you know through that stream of not checking
0: yeah. And they call that confirmation bias, don't they, where yeah. you are just psychologically programmed to find stuff that you agree with and to latch on to it. And that is um, a real problem, because if everyone does that, then you just get more polarized and polarized. And uh, Richard Raw, one of my favorite authors, talks about uh, dualistic thinking. And he says that we've got this uh, tendency as humans to split everything into uh, option A or option B, and then you you decide which camp you're in, and that's it. So are you a a lefty or are you a righty? Are you um, yeah? There's it's always two options, isn't it? And we don't see that as heavily in our political system. But even so, like I kind of I couldn't tell you last time it wasn't even Labour or Conservative that got in. We don't have a two-party system, but it largely boils down to one of those two parties is going to be in power so there's this thing that we like we like neat categories to put people in um well yeah and that dualistic type thinking
2: i suppose that feeds into the question that you mentioned earlier paul something that i forgot to mention of when we're looking at, at voting and things do we do we go for what we uh, what we believe to be true, or is there an element of, of tactics involved in voting as well? Do we think, well, I'd like to vote for X, Y, or Z, but chances are they're not going to get in, so i should should I go for one of the major two political parties just for the lesser of the two evils, I guess? Or do we stick to our guns and say, well, I, I believe this, and that's who I'm going to vote for, even though I know that they're not going to get in?
1: Yeah, I've, I've always found that a really interesting sort of thought process of how people come to that decision. Um... And I guess there are sometimes things that I see in, I would say I'm, I am pretty much stick to, I don't think I've ever voted differently to how I always vote, if you know what I mean. Um, but I think people will sometimes vote tactically and I don't necessarily have a problem with it because I think whether it's for re- religious views or any other views, if you're umming an ahhing about who you want to support, I guess if there's someone that you very much disagree with, Maybe it's like you say, it's the lesser of two evils instead of the one that you're sort of closest to, if you like.
2: Does that undermine then the the faith element? It, you know, if we're saying that we this is what we believe and that's how I'm going to vote, does that undermine that then? If we if we're going to say actually this is what I believe and this is how I'm going to vote, but mm, maybe not because X, Y, and Z, or maybe because I really hate those guys, so I'm going to vote for. Do, do you know what I mean should should we, yeah, should we stick a flag in the ground and say this is me? I'm a Christian. You represent me the best. That's who I'm going to vote for. Um, It's it's difficult. It's it's a dilemma I I kind of had with myself for a little bit in the last election. Um, It was, yeah, it was, it was a very difficult decision to make in the end. um, Viewing things that, yeah, and and I guess the then leaders of the party feed into that as well. It's not just not just looking at ideologies as such. How we're kind of looking at the wider thing as well.
4: What I'd say to that is, well, what I'd ask is, um, could can you be political but not vote? So, say if you if you were going in the mindset of the tactical way, where I'd rather vote for a, a side which is more likely to win than the one i truly really believing in. Is it not just what about the people that choose not to vote because none of the parties believe, none of the parties fit their point of view and their religious views as well?
2: Yeah, I've known a few people who um, who will just spoil a card because they don't feel like they're represented. So they will go and vote, but they'll just put a cross in all the boxes so it won't count towards the overall vote. So they're kind of exercising their right to vote without actually voting. So I guess that's probably how you navigate it somehow by being political and the fact that you technically have voted, but you haven't really voted for anyone.
0: Yeah, I think that spoiling your ballot is probably more. I'd say there's probably more integrity in that, um, in using your democratic right to get, to tell the people that, um, or to tell society really, that you're not represented because we do all see the statistics of how many people spoiled their ballot. And that is a statement in itself, isn't it? Yeah, and you have to see the statistics of,
2: well, if everyone who didn't vote had voted, it could have majorly affected the outcome of yeah. the. Uh, of the the result of the election but if all those people we don't know if those people just felt like they weren't represented or if they just didn't want to vote or if they were interested or if they couldn't or without that, that's the data that we don't have so I guess it kind of feeds into a better collection of data if you have to say actually no I'm not represented and that probably provides an opportunity for someone to say well I can represent you with a new party or maybe an independent or something like that.
4: I think my question actually leads pretty well into this. So my my question is, should we pray politically or should we pray on political outcomes? So say if we strongly believe that we wanted a party to win, would we then pray about that for a general election for the party to win or about political uh, referendums or debates and stuff like that, should we pray about it?
3: I would argue yes, um, because we as Christians should be seeking God's will. Um but I guess it depends then how we pray about it. Um in terms of kind of the point I'm at in my faith is that whatever I ask for isn't always what I get because it doesn't always fit in with his will. So it's more about praying about like being honest with what what's on your heart and on your mind. But that doesn't necessarily mean that you've then got a right to a certain result or whatever um so i guess it depends how how we view what the purpose of our prayers really
2: i was listening to a a podcast about um politics and um uh, i can't remember the guy's name i think it might have been jim but it might not have been so don't quote me on that and i'm sorry (laughs) to to jim or even if you're not called jim um but he was saying about praying for outcomes rather than systems. So instead of saying, Lord, I really want, you know, X party to win, he was, he was suggesting that perhaps we pray for, um, Lord, I I really pray that, um, that the marginalised will be represented or that, um, equality will, um, start to uh, make its way through society and and things like that. So I guess that's a, a political prayer, but without, uh, without, you're praying for an outcome rather than for a system or a party, as such, I think that's quite helpful. Um, in in that it's it's less polarising, and it helps particularly if you know if the, an election goes the way you didn't want it to, um, you can still have an influence over um, over government by petitioning God for, with, with prayers.
1: Uh, yeah, I think um, I think sometimes we sort of, like you say, we we take prayer into a well. I'm going to pray for exactly this thing because I know what I need um and sometimes we forget that god knows what we need more than that um so i think I've, i think again i can't remember who i listened to i think it was Joyce mayer um saying about talking about prayer and she gets quite shouty and she was kind of just shouting at her audience for a while but saying that um we we don't always pray for the right things because we don't know what we need and god is the one and we need to remember that god is the one with the plan um so pr- praying for the outcome of what is best in God's eyes um, is a, an interesting sort of viewpoint on that. I don't know what you think about that.
4: I think that probably is the best way to go about it is because it, it shouldn't really be about our personal political views. It should be, we should be praying for God's wisdom and God's understanding and God to guide us through the situation. Like for a lot of people, it, we will not understand God's will of putting Donald Trump as the president of America. However, it is a part of god's will and it is what god has said am i i don't know what i'm saying here um I'm, I'm. my my point is that whether you like it or not he is the president so that means there is obviously there's going to be something to take out of it
0: yeah it's it's such a hard conversation um and i think we could do a whole episode on prayer and that would be a really interesting conversation as well I i don't think this conversation is the best one to get bogged down in what exactly does prayer do or what's its function or how it's used or does God ordain everyone who's in power? Um, I don't believe he does. (laughs) I think, you know, we um, American people decided who was Donald Trump. I don't, I'm not uh, like who was their president. And that, that was Donald Trump, but, and likewise in the UK, it's the British people that decide. I do think that prayer is important. I think for me, primarily prayers role, um, in this sort of thinking is that it would draw me closer to God's heart and it would draw me closer to what God wants. And uh, that would be how I would approach that. But I also think there's a huge thing of prayer in just expressing how, where we're at to God mm. in just okay. saying, you know, and you know, in the last two elections I voted in, um, I was emotional about those decisions. I had really invested in, in the who I was voting for and I really wanted and believed that there could be serious change for the better in our country. And I was praying a lot. And for me, you know, I voted Labour and that, that didn't happen. I, we didn't get into power and that I was gutted. I was devastated. And I voted remain in Brexit. And again, I was devastated because from my perspective, those were decisions that were going to negatively impact the most vulnerable in our society. And, that is something I will always pray about and will always bring to God. And, you know, whether people agree with me or disagree with me, that was an emotional state for me. And I think that bringing that to God is quite an important part of life as a Christian.
2: Yeah, 100%. I, I, I couldn't agree with and that Ed, about it, basically taking your heart to God and saying, help, help me to see what you see and, and how you want, how, the way you want things to be. Um, And I guess then you can kind of, Implement that into into which tick goes in in which box. Um, it's it's yeah it's it's a it's a great question, Jacob, because it's um it. Prayers, like you say, we can get into that and and talk a lot about the ins and outs of it, and that's probably for another episode. Um, but the, I think the short answer to sh- should we pray and how should we praise is by being honest with God about where, you know where we're at. And asking him to help us to see what he sees and how he wants his people to be represented. And I think there's there's a, there's never a perfect answer to that. There's there's always going to be something that you find in in the political party or affiliation where you think hmm, I'm not too keen on that. Or I'm not sure. But on, I think on the whole, we can apply that principle broadly across. This is this is going to better represent this group of people. Um, not not necessarily this is the best representation for this group of people but just the best that we've got to work with
1: um as a little side question to that this is unplanned so um i apologize if i'm putting people on the spot um but like you say about um, we're not going to find something that aligns perfectly to our views necessarily um as a christian who's been called to speak truth to power what do you do about that if you can't find one that's sort of um that's aligned with what you believe
0: Yeah. Uh, So Andy Flanagan, uh, who I've mentioned before, he speaks a lot on politics. And uh, another thing he talks about is relationship and the importance of relationship. And he often he kind of talks about how we often are praying for policy changes, praying for these big things that will have dramatic impact on our society. But actually, uh, and he's got this great phrase that the kingdom of God moves at the speed of relationship. And his whole thing is that more than anything, we need to see relationships being built across this divide in the political system. And he, Christians in politics would just encourage people to join a party that they feel is closest to where they're at. Cause no party is going to be where you at completely is no party is going to represent your views entirely, but the uh, Christian politics would just emphasize that um, just being involved in that political conversation and, we need christians to be involved in those conversations because the on the whole if the party isn't representing what uh what you think it should if we get enough people who do think it should like should change it will um so actually that we're gonna have the most impact by just saying you know this party isn't perfect but it's closest to where i'm at and i'm going to invest my time into it and i'm going to try and implement change in that place um i think that that is kind of they're talking mainly about actually taking an active role and joining a party and speaking into those conversations, um, which I haven't done yet. <laughs> but um it's something that i definitely would like to consider.
2: I think that flows quite nicely on to, to my question as well, which is um should we support certain political ideas or ideologies? Um and I guess by nature of that and, and also dismiss some. So should we align ourselves to particular ideas and or dismiss others? I suppose you can use um, just a broad brush over it so we can look you know, look at uh, fascism and, and socialism, uh, like liberalist theory, and, and, and also how you apply all of those um, across the board. So I guess, yeah, broadly speaking, left and right are in the middle and everything in between.
0: Yeah, for, from my perspective, um, when I read the Bible and I read about the life of Jesus... I think it shows a clear bias to the poor, to the oppressed, to the downtrodden, to those marginalised. And I think for me, that is where I would focus my voting on those people who have been pushed out and are left on the side. Um, so I would always vote in the interests of those who are seemingly at the bottom of society or those who are oppressed and those who are poor economically. Um yeah,
1: um, I, I think it's important to um, not to dismiss everything straight away. Um, I think there are certain things that maybe you could bend that a little bit, but um, I think it's important to find, like like Ed said, to find where what where, where God sits in that, and where Jesus' heart was in in each policy, in each ideology, each uh, whether you're right or left or whichever way that falls. I think it's important to look at all of them and find where jesus is in that and if jesus is in that so i wouldn't say you should dismiss them straight away like you've said previously we need to fact check we need to make sure that even in in ideologies in um political parties in whoever's speaking whoever's running for whatever position it is we need to be checking for god's wisdom and trying to hear what god's heart is on that someone shared a video in our chat before about um how christians communicate in politics which we're now going to have to post um when we set this so that'll be in the comments um and it, they said something in there which i thought was really nice and it was um three different parties uh three different people three different christians from different parties in england um and one of the guys there was saying we're all part of different tribes but we fall into the kingdom of god and i think it's remembering that that's the overarching thing that we're all there to build the kingdom we're all Having our say in politics to try and build and grow God's kingdom, so that needs to come before everything else.
2: Yeah, I think something that we touch upon time and time again is um, is knowing that, well what we believe God's nature to be, and I think that is really important when we're starting to filter through certain ideas. Um, for example, you can use the Bible to justify leftward thinking. You can use the Bible to justify right thinking you can justify the bible to to sit right in the middle and not go either way so i think that that our own understanding of who god is plays, plays such a critical part of how how we understand the bible and in in turn how we understand um god's nature and, and how that can influence pretty much everything um and most of we talked about in the last episode and probably the episode before that as well um, well, I think that's really important and when we're reading ideas of you know there's there a book written by um, a guy called Wayne uh, Gruden I think it is uh, it's called Politics According to the Bible it's an American guy and um, I've not read the book um, but from my understanding is that he, you know he can kind of bends um, Christianity to justify things like the right to bear arms and all those kind of ideas um, which to me doesn't, doesn't seem to fit with you know a, a loving and peaceful God, um but that's that's how I view that's who I view God to be. So I guess that uh, that work to kind of unravel who God is is so critical because it seems to be a thread that runs through all of the discussions that we're having, um, and I think it's particularly important when you're looking at politics because, as I say, you can you could twist and warp the Bible, and it has been done to. To, as a political chip to move left and right or wherever you want and you know you've seen it in a uh, hint of day earlier with, with Donald Trump having a thought opportunity with, with the Bible you know that's just to appeal to um, to the Christian right really isn't it? its it's for, for no other reason other than to to grab some votes um, I'd I like that not to be true but I have a suspicion that it probably is um, so I think that's that's a really key factor and, and I think that's to the journey that I'm on and some of the thinking that I'm trying to work out is you know who is God because that that influences pretty much everything that we do including politics including how we vote.
0: So one of the questions that always springs to mind for me um, in when we talk about politics is this idea of unity in the church and how do we reach a point where we can all you know live alongside each other because we're all subscribing to the same or largely the same set of beliefs and for me the logical conclusion of those beliefs is one set of political ideals and for other people in with those same uh, religious understanding and faith will lead them to a different set of political ideals so how do we reach a point of unity in the church there um where we you know aren't at each other constantly
1: i think it's really important like we said before um to lovingly disagree and make sure that when we have different points that they put across in a manner that's not condescending or not argumentative and that we're just trying to learn from each other and to be willing as well at the other end. Um people put the points across, we also need to be willing to listen to those and to grow together.
3: Yeah, I think it's important that we learn to have positive conversations that allow us to disagree. Um but that brings some unity with it. And I know that's like a really strange concept but the idea that we grow closer together as a body by sharing perspectives. And like Nick was saying earlier about taking on other people's um, ideas and opinions and listening to them and actively listening to them, not just listening, ready to, to argue back, but actually listening to want to learn um, and kind of journeying together through that. Um, And I think that's something that we struggle with as a church to, to, I think we shy away from, from engaging in those conversations because we're scared of confrontation. Whereas I think we need to learn to have those conversations from a place of grace and a place of love. Um, and I think it's something we should be striving to do as a church to achieve that unity that you're talking about, Ed.
4: I think sometimes it has to be a bit of compromise as well. Like We, we spoke a bit in the Sin episode about that you've got to be able to have a mind that wants to learn something new and wants to be able to be changed like if you if you're going in with an iron wall up saying I don't I'm this is what my political views are and this is my religious views and I don't want to change any of that Then you're you really like narrowing yourself into a hallway you're saying you believe something and have to vote a certain way when actually there just has to be a compromise and we've got to work together to achieve the outcome that we all want which is to be with God and to bring everyone to God.
2: I think that's true to a point. Um, But I think there's, as we touched on earlier, I think there's some ideologies that I can't get on board with. Um, For example, I've just just seen a couple of things in the news recently. There's a group of people who think that being white and British makes you superior to everybody else. And that's just not true. It's not true. It's not biblical. Um, I don't think there's anything true about it. Um, so, whilst you can probably tell already, like whilst I uh, I agree with wanting to learn, I just can't get on board with that, and it, and I find it difficult to find a place of empathy with those points of view because I just I do not understand how you can arrive at that conclusion and defend it. I think as soon as somebody shines logic or light on it, surely the, the acceptance of actually, you know what, guys, maybe maybe we're not quite right on this one.
0: Yeah, and I think. The way I would approach that one is that you can dismiss the view, but you can't dismiss the person. And for every person that has that view, there is a reason why they that is a, a comfort zone for them. That is, there's a reason why they've reached that conclusion. And I would say that if we want to really dismantle things like systemic racism and um, all all those sort of problems that we have face in society, we need to approach what are the societal conditions that allow someone to reach that point of view or make it seem to them that that point of view is truth, what's going on in in their world, in their minds that is leading them to that point of view, because I don't think people just pluck these things out of nowhere, I don't think people are just born uh, being racist or being uh, incredibly nationalistic or whatever, Um, these are things that are taught, they're things that learnt and we need to really figure out why people are reaching those conclusions. But on the um, unity thing in, in the church, especially, um, Archbishop Justin Welby has said some really interesting things. And he said, um, Politics would be extremely dull if we all agreed on everything. There is joy in diversity, and we should not be afraid to disagree with one another, but in a way that models the reconciling love of Jesus. Good disagreement is a gift that the church can offer the world around it, and our political system could certainly do with a healthy dose of it. And I love the idea that disagreeing well and um, treating each other with love while still disagreeing is a, a gift that we can offer the rest of society and i think it's something we've not offered particularly well in recent years at least but it is something that i do think that we, we see in the bible we see in our tradition and it's something that perhaps we need to relearn to offer to our world
1: yeah i think that's a really good point modeling how how to do it as well give it being the example of how again i guess it's showing god's kingdom in in a a worldly thing
2: yeah you're absolutely right i think in what you're saying about you know how people have arrived at that point of view or that state of mind um it's just something i I find really really difficult um and and i can totally agree with what you're saying um it's it's sometimes hard to separate um a a bad idea from you know you're an idiot essentially which um isn't you know, isn't constructive and isn't helpful for anybody. Uh, but I'm working on
3: that. I also think, Nick, it's really easy for us to like sit here and say, "Yes, we should disagree. We should do it well." But that's not dismissing the fact that it's hard and it's hard work, and there's a lot of emotions at stake and a lot of relationships at stake because of it. And I don't, I don't think we should gloss over the fact that it's hard and it's hard work and. um but but I do think it's something we should be striving for, um, even if we don't always get there because we're not perfect. Um, but if we're at least striving, then we've got to get some credit for that.
2: Definitely, yeah. I mean, talking about um unity, often these topics are quite divisive. So how do we how do we, you know, entertain that paradox really when we're talking about um things such a, i mean, like again, recent politics, the Brexit debate's a perfect example. It was either leave or remain, wasn't it? And that there was there was two camps, that, like you were saying, about that polarised thinking, Ed. Um, there was those two, and you belonged to one of either of those. There wasn't much fence sitting, and there wasn't much um, debate between the two sides. Uh, it was either, this is what I believe and I'm not going to change my mind, or this is what I believe and I'm probably not going to change my mind. Um, so how, I guess how we entertain that kind of paradox, particularly when we're looking in church, we're looking Uh, maybe cross-generational we're looking across uh, ethnicity Um, we're looking at all kinds of different factors that feed into all these ideas as well Um, it becomes uh, it it, it takes a great deal of grace like you say to to try and really put yourself in other person's uh, shoes and understand where they're coming from and then explain why you disagree rather than just dismissing it and saying you're wrong
0: Cool. So I think we're reaching the end of the episode.
2: I've um, got one last question. Oh, Sorry, just we have before one I last do, question. It's a yes or a no, and that that is should we discuss politics in church? Yes. 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 All round. I guess the follow-up would be: Do we discuss politics in our church?
0: Not enough. <laughs> <laughs>
2: no is the answer from, from from my church so maybe sunday sunday morning
0: <laughs> yeah it's difficult because it's it's not one that i guess should be preached from a platform mm, but, definitely. It, but it should be discussed around a table um, yeah cool so that is the end of the episode um thank you all so much for listening um as always if you have uh, questions comments feedback that you'd like to get to us please put it in the uh, some sort of miracle listener group you can find that by searching ssom on uh, ssom listener group on facebook and post it in there and we will make sure we get back to you and um, yeah if you have any thoughts on future episodes that you'd like us to do maybe you've had a thought off the back of something one of us has said and you thought actually i want to hear your thoughts on this or maybe you need to look into something like this uh yeah we're definitely up for all of those sort of suggestions so yeah uh again thanks for listening and we'll see you next time
1: Bye. bye bye bye
3: we don't see them die just